Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host today. I've brought in Mike Huguenin, college football editor for On3. Uh, Mike and I uh, have been friends for a long time, like 20 plus years. Uh, known each other back when Mike was the college football uh, writer for Sporting News. Uh, Mike, uh, welcome in, first of all. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the Big 12 and about the Longhorns. And I want to start uh, with the Longhorns and really what they did in the transfer portal from a national perception, in your opinion. I think Sarkeesian did a really nice job. Um, I'm a big Isaiah Nayer fan. Um, extremely productive receiver for a really bad passing offense. So you pair him with Xavier Worthy. That's two really good receivers. Both are legitimate deep threats. Then you add, and I know Bijan Robinson is not a transfer portal guy, but that gives you three big time playmakers for the transfer portal quarterback, Quinn Ewers. Um, I think you could say that Ewers last season was a wasted year for the kid, um, <laughs> except for his wallet. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. He has the physical gifts. Um, Sarkeesian's offense, I think, is extremely quarterback friendly. So this spring, uh, my, my presumption is that Ewers is going to get used to the offense, used to all those playmakers. But again, I think you look at what Sarkeesian's done he has guys who can make plays on offense in today's college football that's the way you win games they could add Mathis at defensive end he's a legitimate pass rusher a proven pass rusher in that league as well so um, nice job by Sarkeesian in the portal especially offensively because yeah. again I think Nair and Worthy are a extremely potent combo at receiver yeah and, and that that lets that that brings me to to the next question I mean or do you, where do you see Texas next year? I mean, given what you know, and, and, and yours is going to have to fight Hudson card for the starting job. We know that um, we know that they had a horrific defense last year. You, you were witness to that. Uh, Texas melted down on D uh, the latter half of the year, really from the Oklahoma game on second half of the Oklahoma game on and it, and it just never stopped. Um, what is your take on that? Pete Kwiatkowski as defensive coordinator uh, the, and I'm really asking, and I know you're you're one of those guys that goes more than just skin deep, so to speak, in this kind of this kind of thought process. What are your feelings on the Texas defense and where it needs to go, and and where you think it can go in a second year? Well, I'm a Kwiatkowski fan. He did good work at Washington. Um, he knows what he's doing. He worked with Jimmy Lake out there and Chris Peterson. They always had really solid defenses, both surprising and I'm sure for Texas fans, agonizing because, you know, simple handoffs up the middle, we're going for seven, eight yards, no fancy, no fancy things being done. We're going to line up and whip you. And they did. So that's the, I think that is the concern 
for me for Texas. I think offensively, even with some questions along the offensive line, no questions about the offense. I think they're going to score a boatload of points. The issue, yeah, they could give up a boatload of points. And you look around the league, Oklahoma State, yes, they lost talent. They're still going to be solid on defense. The same goes for Baylor. Um, Oklahoma defensively, I think Venables will change some things around. So I think Oklahoma is going to be a little bit better defensively. So that puts the onus on the Texas defense to get a heck of a lot better. And that is a concern. I think the talent is there. I don't think a lot of the talent up front is high caliber, but I think it's big 12 good enough to win in games in the big 12 caliber. But yeah, if I'm a Texas fan, uh, I'm worried about the offense. And as a national guy, uh, I look at Texas and think, okay, this team's ceiling is probably 10 wins because that offense is going to be awesome. But that floor, man, that floor, you could end up in the basement, which is what happened last year. But I, I, I think the, the defense will be better, but it will not be elite. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that a lot of Texas fans would probably agree with you. The, the pieces are there on offense. And at times, Texas fans saw last year what the offense could be. I mean, they – when they clicked on all cylinders, I mean, they looked tremendous against Texas. Tremendous, yeah. Um, they looked tremendous in the first half against OU. Um, yeah. And so I think everybody sees it. The problem is, you know, how do you get back to that? And maybe it's by replacing the quarterback. Casey Thompson's gone to Nebraska. Uh, maybe it's by adding an Isaiah Nayor or, or, or feeding Bijan Robinson more. Uh, but the question I – in and you and I both know this is um, this is one of those questions that never gets answered until they actually play the games, right? How do the, how do both units feed off of one another and um, allow for them to right. become a true team, right? right. I mean, uh, there can be we've all seen one-sided teams uh, be great teams. Like if a if an offense is great or a defense is great, uh, but it's 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 interesting to see how they play off of each other. I want to bring up uh, next uh, Oklahoma because you mentioned Brent Venables, uh, Mike, and and what he did. But you're actually familiar with Dylan Gabriel having the new quarterback, most likely for the Sooners, having watched him, uh, you know, even as a freshman with Jeff Levy at Central Florida when Jeff Levy was the offense coordinator there. What does he bring, and what what do they bring to that Sooners offense? And are you a fan of Dylan Gabriel? Or do you think he's a work in progress? Just give Texas fans a sense of what you think there. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.
No, I think Dylan Gabriel is a really good college quarterback. I'm not sure about his NFL ceiling, but we're, we're talking about college ball. He is a gunslinger, man. He's got he's a small kid, but he's got a really nice arm. When he played for Josh Heupel at UCF, they threw a ton of deep balls. He's got really nice touch. Um, he doesn't. He's mobile, but not a runner. And that's what made the fit weird with Gus Malzahn. And that's why he's not at UCF anymore. He got hurt last year in game three. Um, he ran more in the first two games last year than in like nine games under under Heupel. Um, he's not a runner and, and Malzahn wanted him to be one. So um, Levy knows his strengths and weaknesses. Um, Levy was not the play caller for Gabriel when Gabriel was a freshman. That was Heupel. So Levy will be the play caller for, for Gabriel for the first time. But this kid is a scrappy dude he's a little guy but he's got a cannon for an arm um sometimes trust his arm a little bit too much um and he's you know when he was at UCF he played on a team that had a really really bad defense so he was used to having I got to produce or we're gonna lose now when he was a freshman they didn't lose until the bowl game when he was a sophomore they lost four times so part of that was the surrounding talent but he's going to have good surrounding talent at Oklahoma um, he, I think he's going to be ultra successful. I think he, be, he can be a 4,000 yard passer. Um, and I think that if you're Jeff Levy and if you're Brent Venables, you let this kid go out there and wing it around as much as he can. Well, that's interesting because that's that, I mean, I, oh, you did not have a great passing game a year ago. No, they uh, did not. That, that's no. probably what was uh, most lacking from what they were accustomed to in, in Norman and, and why they had an off season. Uh, Gabriel uh, comes with a ready-made ability. Uh, Jeff Levy, a, a talented coordinator, it appears. So, uh, really interesting. Another transfer in in the Big 12 that I want to get your take on, and another guy that you've seen probably more than I have, is Adrian Martinez from Nebraska going to K-State. Is K-State basically just replacing Skylar Thompson with uh, Skylar Thompson 2.0 and Adrian Martinez? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Kansas State's problem at quarterback has been a lack of consistency. So what do you do? You go out and bring in maybe the most inconsistent quarterback in the country in Adrian Martinez. Martinez, you know, he had his ups and downs. And I'm not talking about from one game to the next. I'm talking about from one series to the next. Um, he had a really good freshman year for Scott Frost. And I would argue he really never appreciably got better. He got stronger, he got bigger, all that kind of stuff. He made, he makes just agonizingly stupid decisions at times. Um, really loose with the ball, fumbles a lot, doesn't tuck it away. He is a really good athlete. And I think one positive, I don't think Kansas State will be as free flowing on offense as Nebraska. I think they will rein him in some. And in Deuce Vaughn, he, he has a running mate, so to speak. Um, much better than anybody he ever had in Nebraska. Deuce Vaughn, that kid's a stud. Um, you know, for a little guy, he, he runs hard, um, really good receiver out of the backfield. And maybe that's what, you know, you're going to see more from Adrian Martinez. Hey, Adrian, if you don't feel comfortable, there's no need to throw the ball 20 yards down the field, son. Just dump it off. And if you watch Martinez at Nebraska, it was like, I'm throwing the ball 20 yards down the field, hell or high water. I think that they, they will coach some of that out of them. But overall, that's not a huge upgrade to me. I don't I, – when I when Adrian Martinez was a freshman in Nebraska, I'm thinking this dude's going to be an All-American. Um, now uh, I don't even think he can be an All-Big 12 guy. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that to your point and, and where I was going with this is you don't really know what you're getting from Adrian Martinez no. except for inconsistency. Inconsistency. That's it. Yeah. Right. I mean, consistently, he's consistently inconsistent. Yeah. That, that, that's what I use. That's the term yeah. I used for the Texas defense. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's well, that's that's, that's Martinez. Yeah, Again, you, 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 you would watch a Nebraska game and go on one series, he would look fantastic. And then the next series, you know, on second and eight, he'd throw the ball 15 yards down the middle of the field into triple coverage. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? And you they'd flash to the sideline and you could tell that Scott Frost was thinking the exact same thing. Um, but again, I, I don't think athletically they've upgraded um, for in terms of playing ability. I'm not sure Kansas State's upgraded. I, and, you know, adding Adrian Martinez, a four-year starter, which is impressive. But at the same time, you know, is K-State a Big 12 contender? No. Yeah, maybe, maybe they have – I'll tell you what they do have with him is they may have – more big playability now to pair with Deuce Vaughn potentially from a perspective. yeah yeah and, and yeah. you're right Vaughn is is really good and you play K-State you okay the focal point is going to be Deuce Vaughn um I think Martinez can run the ball he's 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 relatively fast um he's certainly not afraid to take a hit I just think they got to curb some of his wilder tendencies and again maybe they can coach that out of him and and tell him basically don't throw the ball down the field as much as you have to. Yeah. Um, Baylor surprised everyone last year, uh, winning the conference, uh, really with the same crew that uh, didn't win many games at all the previous year. Right. Uh, but they also just had seven kids at the NFL combine. Uh, so they lose heavily. They do return four starters on the offensive line in a run game that really set the, set the table for them, uh, last year. Um, what, what is your take in, in, you know, on Dave Aranda, what he's done in, in Waco and whether he can serve up an encore here worthy of his worthy of last season. I don't think I don't think Baylor's going to repeat his Big 12 champs, but I think that, you know, coaches talk a lot about culture and all that kind of stuff. And I think fans and even media folks roll their eyes. Um, but I think there is I think he did do some good things in terms of making those kids believe, um, getting them to play a certain style of defense. Um, the offensive lineman returning obviously is gigantic because that was a run first team. I think Bohannon um, should be expected to be better this year. Um, defensively, they had some dudes who could play. Um, Jalen Petrie was tremendous. Um, Siaki Ika is back. That's a gigantic plus. They add Jackson Player, uh, another defensive lineman from Tulsa who was an all, AC, all AAC guy there. He's a Waco native. He can play. Um, defensively, I think they're going to be – I don't think they're going to be quite as good as last year, but I think they're going to be solid. It, it all comes back to can they run the balls effectively as they did last year? You know, they, they lost Tyquan Thornton on the outside. Um, but I think Bohannon's growth as a passer um, is the most important thing. Again, I don't think Baylor's winning the Big 12 again, but I think they should be expected to win eight, nine games and be a top 25 team. Yeah, I, I look at their, their defense. You mentioned Petrie, the guy that I thought was just – a glue and a tremendous player for them was at linebacker. And that's Terrell Bernard um, and, and his loss, along with Kalen Barnes, the corner. Uh, those are, those are big losses. I mean, he, and yeah. Yeah. Tr Tristan Edner is another one that's gone. Abram Smith, yeah. the running back that had that big year. Uh, you mentioned fleeks, RJ Sneed transferred. 
they've got some holes at the same time. Um, if you can run the ball, you can, yeah. you know, and that's, <laughs> that tends to level out. Right. Your, your, to your point, you mentioned the ceiling and the floor earlier. If you can run the ball, you kind of sit in the middle there at the very least, instead of, instead of approaching the floor. Yeah. For, for use, let's use a house analogy. Baylor two years ago lived in the basement. Last year, they moved to the top floor. This year, they're going to be on the second floor of a three-floor three floor house, I think. And the, the linemen, the one lineman they did lose was their best. But still, you're right. I mean, these dudes are physical. They're big. Um, and it's a lot easier if you're a new running back to run behind an established offensive line. And that's what Baylor has. Yeah. And, and the other thing there is Jeff Grimes was a new coordinator in that league last year. And so this year, I think people are going to be a little bit more ready uh, for that outside zone attack that he has. Um, losing in the, in the conference championship game, uh, Oklahoma State, uh, you know, was, was on the goal line and, and Baylor made that terrific fourth down stop. Uh, but they bring back Spencer Sanders, lose their uh, defensive coordinator to Ohio State. But I'm not sure they didn't upgrade by getting Derek Mason uh, from Auburn. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Cowboys and, and where they sit next year? Yeah, I, I, San, Sanders was uneven last year, but he's another kid who's a, he's tough, he's physical, um, makes some bad decisions with the ball, but you, you know what you have with him for the most part. I think they're going to miss Jalen Warren, the running back, and I'll be honest, they have Jalen Warren. I think they beat Baylor in the Big 12 title game. Um, they, they got the running back room looks, they got the depth there. The, establishing a pecking order is going to be the key. Um, defensively, um, Malcolm Rodriguez, you know, we talked about Jalen Petrie and the Terrell Bernard kid for Baylor. I think Malcolm Rodriguez served in that role for Oklahoma State, and he's gone. He, he was always making a tackle, it seemed like. Um, Jim Knowles did a really nice job last year. They lost some key guys in the secondary as well. I, I think they're going to take a, a, a half step back, just like Baylor. Um, but I think overall, they're a more talented team than Baylor. And I trust the Oklahoma State offense a little bit more than I trust Baylor's. Um, defensively, you're right though. Derek Mason, that he's he knows what he's doing. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who his sort of like team leader on defense is because it has been it had been Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, the Colin Oliver kid was tremendous last year as a true freshman edge guy. Um, he'll be, I think, an, an all Big 12 guy this year as a sophomore. Um, there's some pieces on defense that are impressive, um, but to me, the, the whole key for Oklahoma State is finding a lead running back. And if that happens, um, they're going to be fine again. Yeah. Gundy, we, we like to think in the Big 12 that Gundy's just a good football coach. Yes, he is. I mean, he, he tends to – he never has – he rarely has, I should say, not never, but he rarely has a plus-plus talent. Um, but he always seems to have good talent and then coaches them up about as well as you could possibly do it uh, over a, a, a period of time. Um, you know, I, I, I'm looking at this and what, you know, we've got Texas Tech with a new coach. Even after winning a bowl game last year, they fired him mid-year and ended up winning a bowl game. I thought that was uh, unbelievable. Iowa State starting a new quarterback with Brock Purdy and Brees Hall are gone. Although I am hearing that the, the word on the street is that the, the young quarterback at Iowa State is going to turn heads. Uh, he's an Iowa native. And then West Virginia uh, going to have a new quarterback again next year in what could be a make it or break it year. Yeah, I think Brown. Yeah, Neil Brown, I think, is in trouble. Um, a lot of important players transferred out, uh, including Josh Chandler Tomato, the, the, the linebacker that was in the, within the past two weeks. 
Um, Iowa State is exceedingly interesting. They were so highly hyped last year, um, and then they were duds in a way. Um, seven and six, massive disappointments opening the season in the top 10 and finishing it outside the top 25. Um, a ton of experienced guys are gone. Um, I think last year the moment was almost too big for those guys. They, 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 they were in the spotlight early against Iowa, and they sort of, oh, my God, that's too bright. Go away. And they ended up, again, losing six games. Uh, I think Matt Campbell knows what he's doing, um, but I think the Iowa State – is a team that, you know, they finished seven and six last year. I think they're going to be about the same this year. The difference is it will be a young team this year building for the future. Whereas last year's teams, that, that was what they, the season they had built for and they failed. Yeah. I, I almost think, I, I think that this is something that you and I've talked about before. Iowa state last year was that team that was one deep and always a player two away yeah, from the, turning a game. And the play away was that was the key. They they failed to make plays on defense that kept drives alive for the other team. We got to make this third and three. Brock Purdy throws a bad pass. Um, they also lose Charlie Kolar, who was a really good tight end. So um, Matt Campbell's got his work cut out. But again, I think he know he's he's a good coach. I think the foundation is there. Um, but again, I, you know, I think that they're looking at another seven and six kind of season they'll be on the uptick for next year. Whereas this year they coming off a really highly disappointing 2021. Mike, what about your thoughts on Sonny Dykes at TCU? That's another, uh, another, it, to me, that is an interesting hire, not just locally, but I think that's a net. I mean, TCU had a, has some talent on that team, especially at the skill position uh, level from, from Quentin Johnston is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, big receiver out of out of Temple, um, and then but they lo lose Zach Evans. Yet you know he didn't lead them in rushing a year ago. So, I mean, what where are your thoughts on what they they're going to do in the Big Twelve on his, under Sonny Dykes? Extremely interested in seeing what Dykes does at quarterback because I think you could argue that Duggan does not really fit what 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 Dykes wants. Uh, Chandler Morris does, I think. Chandler Morris he's only five eleven. Um, another kid though who's a gunslinger. Um, showed last year and he started one game and they won it, um, pulled the upset. So um, I, I think that in, in a lot of ways, Chandler Morris fits what Spike Dykes, Spike, what Sonny Dykes wants to do in, in the passing game. Um, TCU's defense last year was just mind-blowingly bad. Um, that's going to be, and I, I think the TCU offense because of Dykes will be okay. Um, that defense, I don't think, can be made over in one year. Um, losing Mathis hurts even more because he would have been the best player. So to me, that you know, if you're expecting Dykes to you know take the Big 12 by storm in his first year, that ain't happening because I don't think he's got a defense that can stop anybody. I gotta say this, um, and they also lost Kerry Coleman, uh, the other defensive end, other starting defensive end to the portal. I'm not so sure that. Sonny Dykes and Steve Sarkeesian don't have very similar teams next year. I don't they think have, Texas's defense is that bad, though. Oh, I, I mean, uh, they, they were pretty bad a year ago. Oh, and so, so I, I feel like, and what I mean by this is offense heavy, right? Yes. I yes. mean, the, the two teams are definitely offense heavy, whereas I don't think, I mean, K-State is offense, a little offense heavy, but not much. Baylor is probably more defense heavy. Yep. Oklahoma is kind of mid ground right now. 
I think that Texas and TCU and maybe, maybe Texas Tech, maybe Texas Tech are those offensive heavy teams, uh, whereas some other teams like Oklahoma State are definitely going to rely on their defense. Defense, right. right. That's a, yeah, that, that, that's a legit point. Um, I also think, though, that B. John Robinson is a lot better than any other running back in the league. Uh, presumably Sarkeesian will ride him hard. Um, and, again, that, that bringing in Isaiah Nair, um, pairing him with Xavier Worthy, that is a really potent duo uh, at wide receiver. Um, I think TCU's got the one wide receiver. Not sure who they have at running back. But you're, 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 you mentioned Zach Evans. <clears throat> I think in some respects, the, the, the drama that surrounds Zach Evans is now in Oxford, Mississippi. So in some respects, I'm sure people in Fort Worth are like, whew, well, well, fine. The circus has left town. Um, so, you know, no one questions Zach Taylor's talent, <laughs> but his um, personality, yeah. his personality is a problem. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where everybody is. Go, going back to Texas, uh, Mike, you know, you talked about maybe a 10 win or another bad season as the kind of uh, the gap, right, between where they're at. Um, they have two, they have UTSA and I think Louisiana Monroe in the non-conference along with Alabama. <laughs> right. And so well, um, the- is there, I, I, you know, Alabama is going to be the number one team in the country, I would presume, coming into that. Got the Heisman Trophy winner coming back. They've got two of the best pass rushers known to, humankind. I think with, with Dallas Turner and uh, Will Anderson, I, I just, I think the world of both of those guys, you know, Texas has to emerge from that. Un, I don't, I don't want to yeah. say unscathed, but they have to look at that and say, okay, how do we get through this game to get to the next group of schools and really uh, try to push, push for the conference. Um, anything that, that you could say about teams that have played Alabama early like that, gotten beat up and see how they handle it. Uh, because I do think, I mean, I don't want to sit here and act like Texas is definitely going to lose, but if you were to put straight up odds, I guarantee it'd be 90% plus towards yeah. Alabama in that game. So, yeah, and I think the the, the mental aspect, I, I think, is more important. I think my, you uh, use Miami last season as an example. I think Miami, for whatever reason, thought they could go in, because, maybe because Alabama had all sorts of new players everywhere. We, we can hang with these guys. We're going to go toe-to-toe and they got their doors blown in. And I think it sort of permeated for a couple weeks. And then I actually think Derek King getting hurt might've actually sort of snapped Miami out of it. Okay, oh my God, now we now we got to regroup behind Tyler Van Dyke. So I would argue that the, the big thing against Alabama is don't let them steal your soul in a way. Um, you're right, you're, you're gonna, I think Alabama's winning. Um, the problem is don't let Alabama beat you twice. Um, you know, Louisiana Monroe is not very good, even though, you know, Terry Bowden's there is year two. He lost both his coordinators. Um, and UTSA was really good last year. Most of their good players are gone. Um, I think Jeff Trailer is a pretty good coach. He obviously knows how to recruit, but that should not be a game that worries Texas. Um, you know, Louisiana last year, Texas handled them quite easily in the opener and that Louisiana team is, is better than this UTSA team. So um, the Alabama aspect, yeah, that's what I think the thing, you talk to coaches who played Alabama, past players who played Alabama, and I, I think the key is don't let them sort of like steal your soul and mess with your psyche. 
You like Steve Sarkeesian as a coach? Yeah, I think he knows what he's doing offensively. Um, you know, and, and the, the days I think of a well-rounded coaches and the CEO kind of coaches. Yeah, yeah, to some extent, that's fine. But I think Sarkeesian's a guy who's like, I am an offensive guy and my defensive staff can do what they want. Um, I, I was lucky enough to cover Spurrier for a while at Florida in the 90s. And Spurrier was like, you know, people ask him about defense. He's like, I don't know, go ask Stoopsie. I have no idea. And I think that, that sort of like blew people's minds back then. But I, I don't think that's the, a big deal anymore. And I think Sarkeesian is a really good offensive coach, a very quarterback friendly coach. Um, you know, K, Casey Thompson and Card last, you look at Casey Thompson's stats, they're quite good. Um, and I think whoever his quarterback is going to be is going to have good statistics. Um, and I think the quarterback this year is going to have even better statistics. But again, the surrounding talent on offense, skill position wise, is tremendous. Um, defensively, I think obviously, like you like you've said, Texas has a ways to go. But then you look around the league, um, who really is going to have a an offense that should tax you? Now I know last year everybody taxed. Texas's defense but if I'm a Texas fan I look around am I worried about K-State's offense no am I worried about Baylor's not as much as I was last year same with Oklahoma State so um, year two there needs to be um, progress shown and I think that it will be gotcha um, you're number one heading in I mean I, I think I think I've, I've got a, a good feel for it uh, of what you think of Texas in, in the Big 12 uh, what are your top two or three teams for next year outside of Alabama I think Ohio State is going to be extremely good on offense. What's amazing is they're going to lose two first-round wide receivers. I don't think it's going to matter. Um, <laughs> Georgia is going to be good again. Um, though it is interesting, you look at Georgia, they, they win the national title for the first time in 41 years thanks to a really good game from their quarterback. And I would argue that three-quarters of their fan base wants that quarterback out of there. Um, <laughs> and – you know, the ACC to me, I, I don't think Clemson can make the one season turnaround. A lot of folks do. Um, I think Oklahoma is going to be the best team in the Big 12, though there's questions about Oklahoma. I think USC is going to be the best team in the Pac-12 over Utah, but there's a ton of questions about SC's defense. Um, so to me, other than Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, I'm not sure who team number four is going to be. Maybe, you know, I know Texas fans don't want to hear it, but Texas A&M's got a lot of talent. But I will say this about Texas A&M. Um, you know, Jimbo Fisher, saw him coach for a long time in Florida, always had high-level quarterback play. I would argue that in his time at Texas A&M, he has not had anything close to high-level quarterback play. And if he's a true quarterback whisperer, um, he better prove that this fall because they have a lot of things going for him in A&M this fall. I want to ask you about – Two things. What, what about Notre Dame this year? Because I think they're there. Are they going to be down under Marcus Freeman? And then on the flip of that, what do you think of the Brian Kelly hire at LSU? I think Brian Kelly, okay, thinking about LSU, they, they won national titles with Ed Orgeron and Les Miles. So I'm thinking my wife could coach LSU to a <laughs> national title. Um, that's a little harsh, but it's all about recruiting. Obviously, we all, we all know that because those teams that, that Miles and Orgeron coach were loaded. Um, some of the stuff that Kelly's done so far is a little puzzling. Um, I think from a coaching standpoint, he's a great X's and O's guy. 
Um, extremely interested to see what happens at quarterback there. Um, my presumption is Jaden Daniels did not leave Arizona State to go sit on LSU's bench, so that will be interesting. Um, and Marcus Free, plus LSU got to get they got to get a ton better on defense. They were atrocious on that side of the ball last year. Um, I think Marcus Freeman was uh, was a good hire. I think he's a good football coach. The the, the question I have um, that is a true national program. Um, the intense spotlight. You're a first-time head coach at Notre Dame. That is going to have a ton of pressure associated with it. They're breaking in a new quarterback. They need to find a new running back because Kyron Williams is gone. Um, they lost their best defensive player in Kyle Hamilton. So they got some, they got some questions there. Um, I think, again, I think Marcus Freeman from an X's and O's standpoint, a recruiting standpoint, fine. But you, you do wonder if he has any – I know he was there – as an assistant last year, but does he really have any concept of the pressure he's going to be facing? You look at Notre Dame's history of coaches, and I'm I'm no college football uh, savant uh, by any stretch, but Bob Davey, former defensive coordinator, elevated, doesn't do well. Yeah, uh, you know Charlie Weiss, former Patriots offensive coordinator, first head coaching jobs at Notre Dame, doesn't do well. The ones that did or that have done well there. Era Parsegian was at Northwestern before. Dan Devine was at Missouri. Uh, you know, Brian Kelly was at Cincinnati and whatever, Michigan. Central Michigan. Central Michigan before that. And Holtz, um, Holtz had coached elsewhere before too. Yeah, so, no, that's, that's, you're right. And, you know, Brian Kelly was the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Uh, took him to the playoff twice. Um, and yet decided I'm at, I want out of here. Um, so I think that sort of shows that the pressure you're under, if you're Marcus Freeman, again, I think from a coaching standpoint, recruiting standpoint, the guy's fine, but it's the external aspect, I think that grinds you down there. Yeah. I, I think that, um, in Texas, it's a lot like Notre Dame yeah. from the fishbowl perspective, yes. right? It is a, uh, marquee program in a state that, it, that, I mean, at Notre Dame, you have the Chicago media really. Um, that, that bears down on you a little bit. At Texas, you have the Houston, Dallas, and Austin media, yep. and it's a state institution, so it's a little bit different, uh, but it's the same type of type of fishbowl. Mike, thanks for your time today. We're going to check back in with you uh, after spring practice. Texas gets started uh, next week uh, on, uh, I think it's the 22nd, uh, but uh, Mike, thanks a bunch for your time. Mike Huguenin, uh, national football editor or national college football editor of on three sports. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one, man. Enjoyed it, man. Thanks a bunch. Right. Take See care. You. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.